Guaranteed to be more delectable than Cinnamon Toast Shrimp, welcome back to Motorsport 101. By the way, hi, I'm Andre Harrison. Welcome to episode 293 of Motorsport 101. And uh, while I uh, order some therapy, <laughs> I'll also break down the set list here. Um, on this week's episode, we're going to quickly talk over Sebring, because that was a fun IMSA race we had to deal with. But also, we're going to be going through part two of what we like to call season preview season here on Motorsport 101. We had Formula 1 last week, that's up in its entirety now as we as we speak on where all good podcasts are available. But now we're talking about our two-wheel brothers in MotoGP. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, we can boil it down to basically in 60 seconds. We don't really have any idea, except maybe Marquez. <laughs> and we like it that way! It's brilliant! It's perfect! I couldn't ask for anything better. So we'll be breaking down and previewing all of that over the next... 90 minutes or so. Probably a bit less, but hey, we'll, we'll we'll work this out as we go along. With me, as always, we have RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. The thing I meant to left, left, I left out of the intro was the disclaimer that Shrimpdale's guy is a genuinely bad dude. Uh, it's either this or I make a topical joke about the Suez Canal. Or rather, the Suez Can't Now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We're off to a good start here again, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we can only get better from here. King, save the show, would you? Uh, no. Uh, I'm just gonna put the show <laughs> to the side and trap it through. <laughs> Hitting us with that hard denial like that one TNA pay-per-view. Restart the match! No! No! <laughs> and Cam Buckley is here as well. Hello, sir. Hi, everyone. I'm just trying to figure out how they're going to schedule the next America's Cup in the Suez Canal in the middle of a shipping route. <laughs> it would certainly be entertaining. I, I, I will not deny that. It, it, it would hey, definitely be fun. my buddy's got a lake here. They can have that boat race around. It's a big old lake. <laughs> oh, I hate it. <laughs> Help. <laughs> okay. Hilfer. I'll get the... Hilfer. Oh dear. Right. I'll get the general housekeeping out of the way real quick. We're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. And our personal handles are on the screen if you're watching us on YouTube right now. Um, if you're not, they're in the, in the description down below. Or you can, we'll just tell you them. It's at Harrison101HD at RJ O'Connell at Ryan Eric King and at CBuckley917. And if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. $5 gets you early access to all the audio versions of our shows. Um, 10 bucks you can upgrade for the video versions of all our episodes early, as well as access to the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded. Big audience tonight, everybody. Shout out to Finley, Jason, Lewis, Sasha, and Vic. Hope you guys enjoy the show tonight. Um, oh, and uh, I think this is the first time I ever get to say this on the show. This episode's brought to you by a sponsor. We're brought to you by Fantasy GP this week, and uh, they reached out to us uh, because, um, because we're plugging our own fantasy league on there. Um, fantasy F1 is um, is a fantastic fantasy GP, I should say, is a fantastic a fantasy uh, Formula One site um, where you can challenge leagues, challenge your friends, uh, as well as compete for great prizes. Um, and we have a competition for you as well. 
So if you join the Motorsport 101 Fantasy League on the site, the access code will be in the description down below on this episode. Um, and on our last episode, the F1 Season Preview, so you can check it out on there as well. I'll read it out right now in case you guys have, um, are listening already on this one. It's 5184-6052. 5184-6052. You can join us on there. Um, and, uh, yeah, the winner, i.e. the best person that isn't one of our hosts, basically, because there is a possibility one of us hosts might end up winning it. Bit bent. Um, we don't, we don't want that. So, the highest scoring non-podcast host or the league winner, whatever comes first, um, will win a cap or t-shirt of their choice from any motorsport franchise out there, and we'll get it shipped out to you as well. We also have three pro elite accounts to give away on the site as well. Um, it includes a whole bunch of enhanced features, such as live scoring, a bigger budget, and who doesn't want a bigger budget when playing fantasy sports? Um, and uh, I think it's 43 swaps without losing points on your current total. So genuine competitive advantages to having a pro elite account. So there's three of those We're to give away. You an exemption to the budget cap. Oh, yeah. who, who doesn't want that? If you're a general manager, this is the stuff of dreams we're giving away right here. So we have three of those accounts to give away. All you've got to do is comment on our Formula One season preview part one. The first video of that triple header we're putting up on that. Just leave a comment and subscribe to the channel. I will be checking, so no cheating. But uh, well, we'll pick three names out of a hat and you will all get pro elite accounts. So like I said, bigger cap, more picks, genuine competitive advantages here. So, you know... We're totally straight down the middle with this. But uh, big thanks to Fantasy GP for reaching out for us um, for this week's show. And uh, yeah, best of luck. And you get to compete that's against a, the rest of us. solid ad read, by the way. I completely ripped that off the cuff. Like <laughs> I, I, I've been taking lessons from Katie Nolan on sports. Um, she's my hero. I, <laughs> I, I was completely ripped off the top. So uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm here all week. This is my finest presenting moment on Motorsport 101. I actually sounded like a semi-professional podcaster. You, you, you're all meant to laugh. <laughs> but, uh, sponsors, potential sponsors for future episodes. Hit us up. You know where to find us. Yeah, email's in the description. Um, but yeah, uh, before we get into the proper MotoGP season, re- re- season preview, I should say, Cam, talk to me about Sebring, because uh, this was quite the roller coaster of a race for IMSA this weekend. Quite the roller coaster, and I know that the roller coaster all over all those bumps would really have mm. bothered a whole bunch of people on the internet who read mm. a certain article. But <clears throat> let's not talk about them for a minute. Um, well, you guys were a race early on the pick, but the French pain train, the number five Mustang sampling JDC Miller Cadillac, takes the overall win. Sebastian Bourdais, Loic Duval, and Tristan Vautier. Do we get partial credit for uh, calling uh, half of the Florida 36 hours? Um, no. A third? Hey, 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 I picked the overall winner of Daytona the first time. Um, quick rundown of the finishing order in DPI. I uh, see the number five won. The number 55 Mazda second only car to finish on the podium in both legs of the Florida 36 hours. The number 60 Shank Acura, much better showing uh, in that race than there was at Daytona, where they just never really looked like they were on the pace. 
The number 10 Wayne Taylor car, which looks strong early, gave us one of our early Scotty contenders from a fantastic pass around the outside Ugh. of Kevin Magnuson by Ricky Taylor into turn Oz. Oz. <sighs> can, can an overtake make you horny? Yes. They finished fourth <laughs> after contact with a GT car, damaged their right side intercooler, and the number 01 Chip Ganassi Cadillac finished fifth after what was again another strong run but scott dixon is mortal he had an incident with a gtlm bmw and they cost his team the race dixon cost his team a win i mean how how often do we say that about scott dixon in anything he drives how often do you hear this though cam Chad Knauss can't count. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. You see, there was a car that had finished third. The number 48 Ally Cadillac. But it didn't finish third on the road. Uh, it finished third on the road, time, but it didn't finish third on the final results because... Drive time. Chad Knauss forgot how to count, and they went 50 seconds over on Simon Pagano's drive time, dropping them in an automatic disqualification to last in class. I have to say... That's a very harsh penalty for what that was. Don't get me wrong, letter of the law and all that. But an immediate disqualification for 50 seconds over? That's so cruel! It it is what it is. You know, I I haven't got too strong an opinion on it. Yeah, I just just had to point that out. I just felt felt hard for the team on that one. Um, And... Yeah, like I, I, you know, it was bad. I think as well as noticed it was bad. I think it was Kevin Magnuson was on Instagram talking about the fact that they they were unlucky and didn't win that one. And I, and I think it was Jimmy Johnson himself in the comments that said, "I felt bad for you guys out there." Um, so uh, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of post race spice on, on that one. A lot of uh, pissed off people. A lot of guys ruined missed opportunities uh, on that one. But uh, yeah, definitely it was a yeah. And as our final, uh, as our final card to cover in DPI, um, what the hell is up with Pipo Durrani? I I don't, I don't know. The incident in question, I, I couldn't. That move is really smart if you forget the fact that there's been a concrete wall on that line for about forty years. If no gap, car. (laughs) <laughs> that's the line if right if gap wall um it's just another it's another situation where he puts his team in a he puts his car in a position where everyone else has to get out of his way but there's going mm. to be a cataclysmic accident and this time it wiped out both ride side suspensions on his car and basically dropped his team out of any contention later they had a mechanical failure which dropped them uh out of the race out on mm. track um, LMP2, not a whole lot happened. LMP3, not a whole lot happened. GTLM, uh... <sighs> the I think a Porsche won. won. I'm going out on the limb. <sighs> um, the, the story on of the GTLM. alone. Yeah, I was about to say, the development of this race is that a BMW knocked a Corvette out of the way and a Porsche went through to win. <laughs> My man is chugging his entire drink in celebration. <laughs> I wish it was Hennessy. Oh, again? Again? Really? Again. No, <laughs> no, no, we're saving that for a better occasion. 
And uh, <laughs> in GTD, we had quite a lot of attrition. Uh, a Lamborghini had brake failure and took someone else off the road through the air into yeah, the fire barrier. That was an awful-looking accident. Thankfully, everybody all right, but uh, ooh, in real time, that was nasty. <laughs> yep, and... Um, Porsche won a, got a 1-2 in that class with the number 9 Lumberjack car winning over the number 16, uh, I think, Wright Motorsport car? Yes. Yes. Fat Motorsports right. wins the class. Wright Motorsports finishes second. Uh, good race. Watch the uh, watch the replay on Nips's YouTube channel. I'm sure it'll be up by now if it isn't up already. Um, and uh, don't repave this track. It's great just how it is. Oh, Lord. <laughs> We don't, we don't endorse certain Jalopnik columns on the matter. We do endorse Any. Jalopnik columns about the Daytona USA car in a fighting game. <laughs> that, Bro, that I can get throwing by. Throwing hands. Woke. Throwing boxing gloves. Bespoke. <laughs> throwing tires. <laughs> throwing tires. <laughs> That's what we um, like to hear on this show. I'm, I'm going to go off script and finish this portion of the show up with two notes. One, Shane Van Gisbergen is unstoppable. He's perfect mm. in supercars. With a broken collarbone and ribs, this man cannot be beat. He swept the sand down super sprint. We had to clean the walls of the Discord down from Adam Johnson in excitement after that race happened. He's the world's biggest... Shane Van Gisbergen fan, and he went ballistic after this race. It's true. He's been yeah, in that Shane man's corner been... since he was driving for Techno. Yeah. <laughs> Shane, Shane has been ridiculous this year, and uh, I don't see him. I don't see him losing a race in the near future, which is kind of scary to say. Mm. Yeah, that's the thing. When Scott McLaughlin left, everybody's just like, "Now this is anybody's championship." Shane Van Gisbergen. Nope. Bet. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not uh, at all, second... and, um... <laughs> go ahead, RJ. Uh, the second thing I want to mention from this weekend, uh, we had a fight in a NASCAR race, but it's not worthy of a Fight Club segment, because, uh, one of the participants, uh, resident NASCAR Xfinity's fuckboy, Noah Gregson, uh, decided to make, like, dominoes, and offer up some contactless delivery. Oh! Uh, pit lane scuffle with Daniel Hamrick. Look, if you reverse into someone else's pit box and crush the front end on their car, I mean, dude, you had it coming. That's uh, one of the acceptable reasons for me to start fisticuffs. Personally. To be fair, yeah. it yeah. wasn't even deliberate. It was just really stupid. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, that's the thing. We, we love dunking on Noah Gregson here. He is, well, let's just say it how it is, Nikita Mazepin light. <laughs> um, so we don't hold back on him, but in this case, not deliberate, just stupid. On a yep. uh, on a more somber note, in the time in the time period between our last recording and this one, we lost 1988 Lamar Co winner Johnny Dumfries after a short illness. Yeah, he was 62 years old. Um, had his time in F1 alongside Ayrton Senna at the 1986 Lotus team. And uh, 62 is no time to go. That yeah. sucks. Indeed. Yeah. Went back and listened to his episode of Beyond the Grid as well. It's a great listen. So do go out of your way to see if you want to know a little bit more about what Dumfries was all about. Rest in power to him. And of course, our thoughts with his loved ones. Um, should we get into the meme event here, folks? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right after this, we'll be reviewing the... 
the 20 or preview, and I should say, <laughs> the 2021 MotoGP season. Is Can you believe that Eventia scored a 1-2 in the championship? I know! <laughs> who would, whoever would have thought that Luca Marini would break the glass ceiling like that? Did you know he's Valentino Rossi's half-brother? That's my line, damn it! <laughs> Got him! This is how I respond to that. <laughs> Alrighty, ho then. Okay, so. 2021 MotoGP season. This is going to be spicy, to say the least. Because like I said, I think the core four is we don't really have an idea who we definitely think is going to win this yet. And there's many facets as to why we've come to that conclusion. Yeah. Um, um, be- my reasoning is that I did no research or homework or prep for any of this. I'm just going to jump headfirst in the season once we get on track. And whatever happens, happens. Because I know it's going to be entertaining. <laughs> we tried to figure out some of it. Me and Cam tried to figure out some of this, and even we're not 100% sure ourselves yet. And that's kind of what makes sure. this first race I mean, this weekend I, so I'm fascinating. Of I'm of the opinion that the entire season hinges on one doctor's appointment. More on that in a minute. More on that later. Yes. Um, just so you know, in case you didn't know, the full calendar already is available in certain places, but quick rundown of that. Um, we've got two races in Calendar to start us out, March 28th and April 4th. Then Portimao, April 18th. There's a very important doctor's appointment in between those two rounds. More on that in a minute. Um, May 2nd, we're going back to Jerez. Um, May 16th, we are at Le Mans. Uh, Mugello, hopefully with fans on May 30th. Maybe. Italy's not. Italy's kind of going through it right now. We don't know. Stay tuned on that one. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully Mugello will be back on May 30th. No guarantees. Uh, June 6th, uh, Catalonia. Then we've got uh, the Saxon Ring coming back on June 20th. Um, and then Assen back-to-back on June 27th. That's been moved slightly due to... Um, there was uh, restrictions on large gatherings in around the area. That's why the multi bike rounds also been moved further on down the year as well. Um, again, a year late. Later than build. But hopefully the Kaimi Ring will make its debut on July 11th in Finland. Then we have the Red Bull Ring in Spielberg on August 15th. The British Grand Prix at Silverstone on August 29th. Uh, then Aragon on June 12th. That's back-to-back with the uh, Misano Grand Prix um, in uh, San Marino on September 19th. Then we got the Flyaways October 3rd, the Japanese Grand Prix at Mategi. Then uh, hopefully the Thai Grand Prix at Buriram on October 10th. October 24th, we actually now have a break because we have four Flyaway rounds instead of three now. October 24th, we have Phillip Island. They're probably the main event of the year. Who doesn't love Phillip Island at this point? A week after that, October 31st, um, we have the Malaysian Grand Prix back at Sepang. Hopefully, they'll be out of their state of emergency by then. And on November 14th, the season finale at Valencia. Uh, there could still be reasons to change. We still have say, the Grand Prix. A lot of this, lot of this calendar is tentative for obvious reasons. Indeed, and there's still two, po- there's still two postponed rounds on the table. Um, the Grand Prix of the Americas at Dakota may or may not still happen, depending on what goes down in Texas. Um, we'll have to wait and see on that one. And they are still currently rebuilding the paddock in Argentina after their horrible fire, so their round got delayed. They are actually saying tentatively that they should be back um, 
sometime in um, maybe later on in the year, maybe October, November sort of time. Fingers crossed the track will be, real, will be rebuilt by then. We still have as well Indonesia as a reserve round as a possibility as well. I know Indonesia are, f- are literally foaming at the mouth to get a Grand Prix. They are really, really excited about this. Um, shout out to Lewis in the chat who mentioned as well, there is a hard cap of 20 races. We currently stand at 19. So there's only room for one of these three races. So if the sport wants 20, we might get 20, but it will not be any more than that. More on that, obviously, as we go on through the year. So let's go, let's go manufacturer by manufacturer, um, on this one. Now, RJ, I'll let you choose because you wrote most of this. Um, do, do you want to go bottom or do you want to go from the top or from the bottom? Last time on our F1 season preview, we went mm. from the bottom to the top. I think it's only fair that we switch things up a bit and go from the top to the bottom. Team right. Suzuki X-Star. Johan Mir, the reigning, defending, undisputed MotoGP Premier Class World Champion, and oh. Alex Rins. <laughs> Johan Mir's consistency was the only sure thing in such an improbable 2020 season question is now can the sensational 23 year old world champion do it again in 2021 moreover might a healthy outlet sprints who had an incredible resurgence in the second half of the season take that same leap and enter the title picture himself trey your thoughts hmm. on My- our favorite team that has cashed in money in the bank this past season they're a very interesting team. I mean, not mentioned as the big restructure they've had. Their their main most of their, their main boss, the focal point of the team, David Abrivio, is no longer with them. There's been a big restructuring at Suzuki. A lot of different guys stepping up in different roles across the board. There's there there was no direct replacement for Brivio running that team um, overall. So that's going to be fascinating to keep an eye on. They didn't particularly set. Like testing times are light. Um, we'll get to more about what I call the preseason champions later on in the piece. But they, like, I think they're still desperately trying to work on qualifying pace as well. Um, as we go along. So there's a lot, there's a lot going, there's a lot of moving parts to Suzuki. They're still quietly confident. I know Simon Crayfar wrote a really lengthy piece about it on the website of MotoGP.com saying, no, don't sleep on Suzuki. They're still really good and they probably will be really good. On Sunday, once the lights go out, and we'll see where they place. Because the funny thing is, in my opinion, if somebody held a gun to my head right now and said, Dre, give me a title champion, I would say Alex Rins. I think Rins has got all the tools needed to potentially win a championship. And I think at his best, he's a little better than Mir. But again, the way this season plays out, it's anyone's guess. But... Um, and I could say that about six or seven dudes in this field, which we'll cover in a minute, but I still, there, there is no reason to think that Mir can't retain, and there's no reason for me to think that Rins can't win this title. No, I have no reason to doubt anything that's going on in Suzuki's camp. What do you reckon? What do you make of it, Cam? I tend to agree. I mean, that was kind of the theme of Suzuki last year, wasn't it? No one really picked them to win much of anything until suddenly mm. they were leading the championships and running away with them. Yeah. Um, They're a very low-key team in that regard, and not many changes to the bike. If it ain't broke, why fix it? And 
I think that the things to watch this year, as far as the writers are concerned, is can Rin stay healthy? Because he competed for most of last year with one and a half shoulders at best. Mm. And can Mir take that next step in terms of raw speed? He's very good racecraft. Um, he's very good consistency. He doesn't have the raw pace of someone like a Rins or a Marquez. I think he can take that step, though. And if he does, uh, and, and the Suzuki is still as strong as it is on race day, I think Mir could be a favorite for the title uh, to repeat after his first one last year. Mm. <sighs> yeah, what do, you, what do you make of it, King? Uh, I mean, it's it's going to be hard for them to... Like, I... I don't want to say that they can't defend the championship, but it's it's seeming very unlikely, and it's sort of Suzuki in a situation where they need to find where their footing in the field is, especially mm. with uh, the rest of the MotoGP field being so competitive, uh, they're going to have to find where they want to be in the field. Um, yeah. That's, that's kind of the weird thing with Suzuki, is they've never really found that. In their time back in the sport, they're always fluctuating up and down the field. But last year, they were the only team that was consistently at the front every round, whereas Yamaha would reel off two race wins in a row and then barely score points. Same with Ducati. They, they won the, the championship last year, not through punishing everyone on speed, but instead punishing the constant mistakes everyone else was making. Oh, yeah, they're, they were solid in races. They know the qualifying pace has to uh, has to come up. Big, that's their working. big focus, I think. But their if race can, runs still rock solid in testing. Oh, it's the best! Yeah. Uh, it's the best bike in terms of race pace. The question is, how much work do they give themselves to do on Saturday? Yeah, as Lewis points out in that chat, there is no obvious weak point in this team. The bike is rock solid where it counts, and that's I'd argue that's race pace more than qualifying pace. They have two outstanding riders. It's as good a lineup as anyone in the field. Um, it's a true there, it's a true jack of all trades team. Yeah, there is no standout obvious asset, but there is no obvious weakness either. Maybe the restructuring could have an issue behind the scenes. We'll have to wait and see as the season goes on. It's they're a difficult team to place, especially given there were better looking teams in Qatar over the course of the test. But if like if they if they if they're solid out of the box in Qatar, they'll be stronger down the road, certainly. And that well, and this, this, this I, I think we need to keep in mind the second part of that idiom. Like they might be the jack of all trades, but they're the master of none. That didn't they stop me last year. Consist- yeah, mm. the master of consistency in this case was enough last year. Is it going to be this year? Just going to have to wait and see how it plays out. Mm. So yeah, there's a lot to break down there. It's like it's 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 a lot, but uh, whew, um, it would be very fascinating to see where they chime in. Should we talk about Ducati, the quote reigning manufacturers champions, <laughs> their their first world title in 13 years last year? Um, which is it's a weird thing to even say about Ducati in a season that I think was pretty disappointing from all from all parties last year. Some flashes, some bright spots, certainly, but uh, you, you never would have guessed they were constructors champions looking at the their season last year until you saw the final points tally. Champions yeah. in spite of their best intentions. 
Somehow. Uh, quote, without Andrea De Vizioso, the factory team is leaning all in on a youth movement led by Aston TC winner Jack Miller and 2018 Moto2 champion Francesco Bagnaia. With Miller and Bagnaia, Pramac Racing were arguably the best Ducati team in the fleet. They'll be starting over with two-time Moto2 champion Johan Zarco, who's continuing his career recovery, and 2018 Moto3 champion Jorge Martin. And if anyone calls him the Martinator on this podcast, I will be forced to fight you. Um, <laughs> do not do that. Um, then you got his sponsor, Armour Racing, the artists formerly known as Avincia, are bottom feeders no longer, and they'll be going all in with two Premier Class rookies, the reigning Moto2 champion, Enea Bastianini, and Luca Marini, the Moto2 championship runner-up from last season. <sighs> now, Ducati, let's go from the top. Now, we all know that 2020 was a bit of a disaster. I mean, it's it's never a good sign when one of the manufacturer's greatest riders, Andrea De Vizioso, a man who won him 14 Grand Prix, was a championship runner-up three times, walks away from the negotiating table. Um, that's... It's not a good look when he's making jokes about his future unemployment on his riding leathers. <laughs> it's not a good sign Whew. when when Andrea De Vizioso and the leader and technical guru of the team haven't spoken in about a year and a half. Da Vinci Ozzo is that person who is asking on Twitter, their followers on Twitter, whether they should dump them nicely or just dump a whole bother. They're basically asking how they should divorce their partner on social media. <laughs> that that would be the Ducati way of handling a breakup. Certainly, they'd be like they'd be they'd be they'd be dragging them on Twitter and hoping people like it in response. Um, it's a brand new team, and it's one of them expected. Jack Miller was pretty much always going to be here this year. Um, he was he had clearly outgrown what Promac had put on the table for him. Um, I'm a little bit surprised still they went Banyaya over Zarco. Um, but uh, it, it's I, I think it's certainly a high risk, high reward team. Because I know we were talking about this. Um, before we started recording, it's like Jack Miller's ticks a lot of boxes. He was really good last year. He was top Ducati five times. It was a big reason why Ducati did win the manufacturer's title. We joke about was, last year. No, he was the reason they won the constructors last year. Yeah, and it, despite all of that, do you really want to pick him for the big one? It's like you don't really think Miller couldn't, could he? And you, you just go, hmm. Miller seems to be at his best when his back's up against the wall or when nobody expects him to win. Like, hell, nobody expected him to win the TTS in a few years back until he did. Nobody probably expected uh, him. Yeah, yeah, but if you're leading the Ducati factory team and last year, last year with what we know happened and what ended up being the opening round, it was the most open goal they ever could have had and they threw out their back on the kick. Yeah. And just suffered all the way through the year, not really understanding the new tires. Um, clearly, Davi was done with that team and everyone in it. Mm. Jack Miller, he I, I think Dre's right. I think he ticks all of the boxes. I just don't know if he's going to have the equipment to take the fight to the big boys this year. There now that he is guy, one of the big though. boys. Mm. There is one guy, though, Cam... That you are all in on the hype train, though. And that is the other half of this factory team. 
I'm all in on the hype if he can get it under control because Banyaya's peaks are so high. When he's good, he is he is box office to watch. When he's bad, he's tumbling end over end into a gravel trap. And the balance on that is nowhere near uh nowhere near the former to pick him as a title favorite. Mm. But I do think he's going to take a step this year as far as just learning when to just take the points and not shooting for the moon because I think that's Peko's biggest problem right now. Uh, it's a very high-risk, high-reward team. It's like this is the first year I think there's now genuine aspirations and expectations out of Miller, and he's now leading... One of the biggest names in the business. This is the number one seated Ducati, a seat that's been Dovies for the last four years now. Like this is, it is this is no longer Miller the plucky underdog. It's now Miller the title say, contender. Look at your, look at your predecessors, um, Andrea Davizioso, Valentino Rossi, yeah, Casey Stoner, yeah. You're talking all-time greats. Now, you're talking about some of the biggest names in the business. Um, whether he can lead that charge, I think his riding ability is going to be under greater scrutiny than ever before this year as well. So it's going to be fascinating to see how Miller plays up when the expectations, when the goalposts have been pushed to bigger heights now for him. Because this is no longer just a, just a, just a, you know, a guy that was going to be scoring the odd podium. We're now talking about being expected to win. Um, you know, and but Miller ticks a lot of boxes on paper. He's a great qualifier. He was he had a handful of podium finishes. He was unlucky not to win a couple of rounds last year. Like he would be just missed yeah. out in Styria. I, I think he and also, he has yeah. the right mentality. Yeah, he has the mentality. He has that it factor of I want. To, we saw it in his his wheel to wheel battles last year, late in the year, mm. where he was doing everything he could. And achieving the pass, and then the duck would just understeer off the apex, and he'd get caught up by a Yamaha. Couldn't it was hold all it. This textbook. Yeah, we had, we had two of those at the end of the year against Frankie Morbidelli, and he went one and one. He got revenge at Portimao a week afterwards when Morbidelli beat him for his uh, for beating for the win in Valencia. Um, so yeah, like he he is he, he's got flashes. It looks promising. I think I just need to see more, and it's the same with Banyaya. The promise is there. Tucked the front too many times last year, um, but the raw ability is off the charts. We saw what happened at the Emilia Romagna GP, where he should have won that race. I know Maverick was starting to take time out of him towards the end, but that would have been a fascinating good, good race. Good luck passing see. that thing, because yeah. uh, we always have to address the Ducati ace in the hole. Their straight line speed and preseason testing was ridiculous. They have that advantage back. The yeah. question is. Is the bike good enough in the corners for that to actually matter? Indeed. And we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. Oh, fun fact. Johan Zarco unofficially broke the MotoGP all-time speed record in the middle of that test. 223 miles an hour on that Duke. That's fast. Well, 356, I think that guitar, one. don't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it's free. I think it was 356 uh... in Queen's English. Um, but, uh, yeah... Fast, just to say the least. We'll talk, we'll talk a little bit about the, the satellite teams. I mean, first of all, Pramac and Johan Zarco is a very solid pair of hands. Do not get it twisted. Um, in, 
the standing performances he had at Ducati, and again, there were moments at the Vintia where he looked really, really fast still. So, like... A Vintia. And a Vintia, last year's bike, you know, sexy long lap penalties aside, uh, you know. So oh, that was still that was still so good. Uh, yeah, Zarco. Uh, <laughs> Zarco, we, we know he has the speed. He proved it almost immediately mm. when he stepped up to MotoGP. Mm. He's also been involved in some incidents that were uh, quite terrifying last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Been uh, through the walls, that man. Yeah. His ability to balance risk and reward, not so sure on. What do we think about the kids? What do we think about Martin, Marini, Bastianini? Now, I know Marini and Bastianini are going to be on older bikes. Mm. But between those three, who do you think think stands a chance of being the most impressive? Hard to say. Hard to say. Um, I, I like Martine. I like Martine for this year. Out of those oh, yeah. three. Yeah. Martine's definitely uh, like in the best position because he's got a 2021 bike. And w- yeah. let's not forget, he was a co he was like a COVID test away from being in that title fight in Moto 2. Yeah, that's where his that's where his season pretty much fell apart when he tested positive for COVID while on holiday. Um, yeah, he was right up there. And if there's one thing that will always stand out about Martin, it's it, it, it's the opposite of what us pundits would often say is deceptive speed. He has a in your face speed. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, the. Uh... What I like to call it with Marquez is having a fist fight with the motorcycle all the way around the track. He's boss yeah. office to watch, and he makes mm-hmm. it work. He's very, very fast. Indeed. Um, and again, the clear advantage, he has the 2021 bike, the two of Inteas do not. Um, also, keep an eye out for Marini. It's the Sky, of, it's a Sky Racing VR46 bike as well, because we're going to be seeing two different bikes from the same team with two different sponsor colors, because Rossi bought out one seat well, and what not does, two. Well, what does VR46 <laughs> have to do with Luca Marini? Nothing. Nothing at all. We don't mention it at any point in this podcast. Isn't that right, RJ? Um, Valentino Rossi's half-brother is carrying sponsorship for the uh, VR46 uh, team. So this is kind of like a quasi-VR46, but it's a Ventia, but it's not a Ventia officially because it's a sponsor the, 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 the bones, The bones of a Ventia with the muscles and sinew of VR46. <laughs> That was a very strange way of putting it, but we'll go with that. Um, it's, yeah, it's about the only way we can. Indeed, it's 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 Rossi dabbling his toes in the water before having the full-on team that he's always dreamed of. Which is funny because Rossi said in an interview a couple of days ago he still thinks he's got two more years in him. So uh, <laughs> he's just not well, going to stop. No, he's, there'll be a skeleton in that thing. It'll be like Ghost Rider by the time he's fifty. He uh, will not log <laughs> off. No, never. By the way, uh, how was what was Ghost Rider's uh, MotoGP track record? Um, very good. Took a lot of souls. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, you had to take a uh, had to take a detour through the graveyard next to the track, though. It helps. Um, right, so that that breaks down pretty much all the Ducati, and uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of a lot of raw potential, a lot of talent on that on that factory. A lot of question marks, but also some very, very fast guys on there. I've got a feeling this team is either going to be really good 
or really bad, and I'm not quite yeah. sure where There's I sit on that There's going to be no yet. in between. I, yeah. I think Miller can be a little bit of that in between because I think he's consistent yeah. enough. Everything else is either going to be, it's just going to be mayhem in a good way or a bad way. We don't know yet. Yeah. Entertain like, me, Ducati. It is strange when Miller is like the safest pair of hands out of the six dudes on your payroll. Like I'm that's not entirely, I'm not sure that's, if that's a good or a bad thing. Um, that's, that's, it's very high risk, but we'll have to wait and see how we go. Oh, this next one's going to be fun. <laughs> On the subject of things that can either go really good or really Whew! bad, it's oh boy. the Yamaha factory, including Patronus Yamaha SRT. The times are changing at Yamaha, with a promotion of three-time Premier Class race winner Fabio Cordero to the factory team to partner Moto3 champion Maverick Vinales. Vinales and Cordero, on their day and with a universe in alignment, have elite pace. But can they finally make a consistent bid for a championship in the top flight? Valentino Rossi isn't content to walk away just yet. The nine-time world champion, seven-time premier class champion, moves to SRT to keep his fight for a total of ten titles alive. In the other quarter, though, Franco Morbidelli seeks another year of giant slaying excellence on a two-year-old bike. How do we feel what? about this one? Oh, <laughs> I they, they, I don't know game. how successful they're gonna be, but the Fab and Mav show are gonna be entertaining as all. <laughs> oh. Th- those two are gonna hate each other. They're gonna hate each other. <laughs> there will be violence, oh. one way or another. We're bringing back Road Rash for the 21st century. Um, there there is two secret weapons here that I think people don't want to address. Fabio Quattararo has now got a sports psychologist, which is a big deal. I I, I respect and appreciate the fact the man realised that maybe his mental game for the nature of his job was maybe a little lacking because we all saw how his season collapsed towards the end of last year. Um, and uh, Maverick has something that I think a lot of people do not take on board until it happens to them. Big dad energy because <laughs> he's had a very busy off season he got married um to his longtime sweetheart um and he's gonna be a dad later this year fingers crossed um he's got a baby girl due later on in the year so uh dad <laughs> daddy's coming home everybody um and uh that kids change people like they it motivates them like like it, it changed like it happened to me in school so many times where guys just just develop but more, more on a more serious note if they get the operating window right they're going to win the championship there is no doubt in my mind and that, that is the same thing we've said about yamaha every year since 2017 <laughs> because yeah. yamaha are the kings of the hypotheticals and no nowhere is that more prevalent than with Continuing and lead rider Maverick Vinales. The right, king of practice. I, I just need to take one brief little tangent here. Dre, mm-hmm. how many dads were in your school? <laughs> how many roommates <laughs> became dads? How, how many people in how many people in Dre's school were getting their fuck on? <laughs> Too many. Um <laughs> Okay, back to you. Back on, back on track. <laughs> but um, uh, Maverick can't keep doing this. No, we can't keep hyping him up every year. He can't keep setting great times and testing and practice and qualifying. 
only to get into the race and fold like cheap cardboard. He can't keep being king of the hypotheticals. He has to put it together in the race. We know he's fast enough. We know yeah, he's, he's great well, wheel he's to wheel. He's the best front runner in MotoGP. That's not well, entirely was. a backhanded compliment. No, look, he was. I, 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 I'm with RJ. He still is. Like, if he has a bike that can get to the front of the field, he wins. It, it, it's, it's as simple as that. It's, it's, it's even more of a lock than a Marquez win at the, up the front. If Vinales has the pace, he's untouchable at the front of a Grand Prix. It's as but simple as that. And butts and candies and nuts and all that good stuff. That's the problem. Yeah, and, and, and as loose, last as, year, last year he didn't have the tools to do that. No. He was shortchanged on practice due to Yamaha's uh, universe brain engine strategy that uh, cost him the constructors' championship, mm. probably. And uh, it, it too many things have to go right for Maverick to be effective. Right. It's a very, very narrow window. And, and I say this, we're saying this about a manufacturer that won 50% of the Grand Prix last season, but they were so spread out that it ultimately didn't matter. Um, it's a very strange scenario. Um, yeah, like, it's... Lewis points out some great yeah, tidbits right. in, the, in the chat here. It's like, quote, he was fighting with one hand behind his back last year. He could not do lap... He could not do long runs in practice. Last season. It's why we often saw Maverick at the top of timing sheets in practice. They couldn't do long runs. They were they were running, obviously, to the wire on engine usage. So they had to, obviously, mitigate a lot of that in practice and try and reduce running as much as they could. And this year in testing, he's working on his starts. Front row, yeah, whole because, shot, uh, fast lap times. He put it perfectly, and uh, mm. Lewis mentioned it in our chat. Mm. Yamaha's only way to win with their current engine deficit to pretty much everyone, even Suzuki, the the other inline four in the grid, is to get on the front row, get the whole shot, and run for their fucking lives. They cannot win in a dogfight, because the only way they can beat another bike head-to-head on the field is under braking. That's all they've got. Yeah. Like all oh, the other bikes it. have got, have got weapons that they're supposed. To... How many times did we see in the last couple of years that whenever Maverick had a fight with Marquez, Marquez would just blow past him on a straight, and then when he when he finally yeah, puts the stamina down in twenty nineteen, Marquez <laughs> played with his food for twenty laps, and then on the final lap, opened the throttle all the way and sucked the pain <laughs> off the Yamaha. Yeah, you, you can see, you see that, and you realize, oh my god, he was playing possum the last twenty laps. He just go bang, <laughs> and off he goes. It's like what, like what, what was that? Um, next thing you know, he's half a second ahead by the first corner because that's everybody knew that the that, Yamaha that's just had the got power s- of. That mm. used to be just the power of the V4s due to their inherent engine advantage, but even Suzuki's mm. surpassed Yamaha in straight line speed now. Yeah. They have the slowest bike in a, in a straight line out of anybody, and that's going to be a problem because a lot of these tracks, there is still at least one point on a track where you're touching 200 miles an hour. Um, maybe more in some in certain tracks' cases. So it's going to be a problem. Like I said, the only weapon they've got in their arsenal besides front-running speed is braking power, and it's not enough of an advantage to beat any other major manufacturer in a head-to-head. They have to... All they can, they- all they can do is just get out there and hot lap and mm. try and wield that corner speed that's it's always been the signature of the Yamaha, but now everyone else has made enough inroads that unless mm. Yamaha can be alone out on track, they just can't use it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Warbenetti quoted it quite well from Lewis in the chat. It says, quote, we have a bike to, 
we have a bike to win. Not to fight, but to win. And that's coming from the man that had to scrap for a couple of his wins um, last Franco year. And Morbidelli. <laughs> last year's runner-up. Dude. Great dude. Rider of the year yeah. candidate in my eyes. And I gotta say, if he replicates that success again on a two-year-old bike, I think that's just a great galaxy brain strategy by Yamaha to give him the only old secondhand equipment to make his stock look better if he does well. He specifically yeah, well, uh, requested not to have the 2020 don't, bike. Don't, I, I want this because bike. he's better Leave on the 19. Alone. Leave it alone. <laughs> it, it's very funny. Uh, relative to other motorsport, you'd never, well, maybe Ferrari. Um, for the most part, you wouldn't say you wanted the old car, but yeah, Morbidelli sticking with the 2019 bike for another year, runner up in the championship last year, one free races, wins, look to be the strongest Yamaha rider, uh, mentally in a fight. Um, he, he's, he's a fighter. He will get his elbows out. He will do his damnedest to win and to get the best result he can. I love me some Morbo. Yeah, he's 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 a he's a great he's a great great rider. He really is. Like this was like last year was the breakout year for him, with without a doubt. A little bit late. We expected him to slaughter Quadraro in the first year. It was the mm. opposite. Then last mm. year, Morbidelli came good. Yeah, took advantage of the 2019 bike. Was really strong towards the end of the season. If it was if he wasn't caught up in a couple of places of traffic, I think he could have made a legitimate run for the title. And look, Yamaha claimed COVID-19 and budget cuts are the reason why they can't give no. him a 2021 bike. It's no, horseshit. No. It's pure <laughs> horseshit. They're hedging oh, their bets. <laughs> they know more that he's good on that bike. They know he's got excellent race pace on that machine. They're hedging their bets. <laughs> and they don't know. They don't know if their current bike is better than the 2019 bike. The Dale new said- M1 is more based on the the 2019 bike than last year's bike was. Yeah. They they're still searching trying to find the magic formula it seems because they all it all boils down to the same point wanting to extend their operating window where if if they hit the window they win. If they don't hit the window they're fighting for fifth or they sixth struggle place. For points. Yeah. It was worse by some... the end of last year they could barely score points. Yeah, it was really bad towards the end of the year like Bottom like bottom five of the points, like ten to fifteen sort of range last year. Uh, that's like Yamaha either blow Yamaha. Yeah. 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 They they either blow supernova hot or absolute zero cold. And now, they need to find something that's just if they they need to find something where it's not a pinhole where that bike works. Mm. And you know what's funny as well? We've talked about all of this and we still haven't mentioned Valentino Rossi yet, who is going to be on a 2021 bike oh. with his new team at Patronus. Yeah. Um, That's the guy from that really weird BT Sport commercial. Oh. Please stop. <laughs> Log off. You're done. Uh, yeah, no, Valentino nobody in the right is mind thinks, still uh, in the Valentino. league. Yeah, he's still in the league. Nobody in the right mind thinks he's going to win number 10 unless they are as part of the BR46 fan club. But it's cool to see him Extend his MotoGP career like this. 
And he was way like, beyond you, anybody else's reason. He wants he wants two he wants two more years and he wants to be a dad. I actually read the interview he had with Pacona GP. It was actually it was actually a really nice interview. It was all it was about everything that wasn't to do with bike race and he talked a lot about having COVID nineteen and how he felt genuinely sad and lonely, you know, suffering through and that and having to isolate for for all that time and he talked about wanting to be a father, which was actually quite wholesome to hear about a Man in his forties now talking about becoming a first-time dad. Maybe um, well, it's... he's going to put that. Uh, wonder if he's going to wear that Viagra helmet on during sex. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know well, which uh, which vaccine he's taken. Shoot me up with that Pfizer right now, Doc. This one's for you, Mark Martin. I think that I think that COVID vaccine had a little it had a little extra uh, product in it. Some extra spice. Um, So, are we going to see over the course of the season? He's going to bring back the Viagra helmet with like less and less pills in the packet um, as the season goes on. God bless him. Yeah, I, um, think, uh, I, I think Valentino really needed a change of scenery. Uh, I think his time had run its course on him with the factory Yamaha team. Yeah. And I like how he put it. They, they can change her dress. It's still my M1. Mm-hmm. And uh, on a 2021 bike, I don't think he's going to do as poorly as some people might be thinking. I don't know yeah. if he's going to necessarily be going for race wins, but... I think we'll see a little bit of a uh, a revitalized Rossi this year. Yeah, I would love to see that. I'd love to see him get at least one more win before he hangs yeah. up. I'm not no, I'm thinking not. 10 championships. Right. I think yeah. that ship has long sailed. It has sailed wanna... far away into the ocean and then gotten beached and clogged up the Suez Canal. And what I was going to say was, what I was going to say was, is that it, a lot of this might be down to Quattararo's performances on it last year, but on paper, he's joined the better Yamaha team. So, you know, it could it could stand for a positive spin for Valentino out of all of this. So, yeah, uh, one to certainly keep an eye on. Now, next on the list... And uh, we didn't Oof. actually talk about that guy mm. that uh, mm. came into last year talking all that good shit, reeled mm. off two wins, and then <laughs> quite folded quite mm. badly. Yeah. Mm. Well, we mentioned it briefly. I mean, like I said, man's hired a sports psychologist, um, which I think was a very shrewd move from him. I think he struggled towards the end of last season. He openly admitted, I think he'd struggled towards the end of last year. The pressure of the title fight got too much for Fabio. But we are still talking about a, what, 22-year-old kid here yeah. in his third He's season a... in the sport. He's a phenomenal talent. Like, he Jesus, he is fast as hell. He yeah, his his sheer speed is just unreal. Mm. And I think this last year, I think will have taught him something that maybe it's better to uh, better to walk before you can run. Because On sheer, after Marquez yeah. went mm. down, mm. well, even before Marquez went down, he was talking himself up as the main challenger. After Marquez went down, we thought he would have been the favorite alongside Davi, and that just just the wheels fell off None of that very quickly out. on his title challenge. Right. No, what what, what I was going to say is is that in terms of raw speed, it's Mark, Maverick, and Fabio, and then it's everybody else. That That is the elite trio when it comes to raw, top-end, ultimate pace in this sport. 
that in itself is a huge asset. Um, if in the MotoGP qualifying session, pretty much until the middle of last year, it was one of those free on pole, pretty much guaranteed. Raw, so, raw hmm. speed is uh, raw speed helps you. Raw speed helps you everywhere. It can hide a lot of problems if you're just that fast. Yeah, um, and yeah, if he gets the mental game down, look out. There's no reason why he can't win this championship, as far as I'm concerned. So. Yeah, I think he's an immediate favorite if he keeps his head screwed on. Like, if he's that fast, he's going to be a problem for everybody in the field. Um, Big problem. Speaking of big problems... I think think we'll let King take this one. (laughs) I'm I'm not reading that. that. Uh, I'll read it for him. (laughs) KTM, they're no joke anymore. And two of the riders that helped finally establish them as a winning constructor are now the leading men of the factory team. Brad Binder and Miguel Oliveira, who combined for three wins last season. Danila Petrucci is moving over to Satellite Outfit Tech 3. The well-liked veteran will partner sophomore Ikerla Kwona, who hopes for better results and fortune in his second year. King. Binder. Oliveira. Petrucci, the Lord, Luck the Lord and the dentist together at last. <laughs> oh, it, it feels like me being the optimist here. Well, say, feels like we're in a situation <laughs> similar to to Suzuki, where we're definitely not going to win the championship. But I hope we find our footing somewhere in the top <laughs> third of the field. Please, please. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is less optimism and more desperation from King. Um, not a not a great test, and they did admit that uh, this track really does not suit what the KTM's all about. No. Um, uh, I don't know with KTM. It feels like every time they take a step forward. They take a step forward for a year, and then they take two steps back the next Can we year. agree that they're not bottom feeders anymore? Like, they're n- that they're no longer is... back markers. Definitely They're not. no longer so bad that one of their riders just up and quits in the middle of the year. <laughs> We've I'm come a long way. I'm not so sure. They're, I think they're either going to reach higher heights than they did last year, or they're going to kind of crash back down into the middle of the points. It's... And you know what? That'd be a real shame because you think of the core of what's made KTM what it's been in the last five years. The two dudes I would circle on the top of that list are Brad Binder and Miguel Oliveira all the way through the classes. This was destiny. This was always going to end up being this KTM team at some point. (laughs) This was written in the stars. Yeah. Binder won a world title. Oliveira, two, like runner-up in Moto Two, runner-up in Moto Three, one of the most. I still think, even without, even with the two wins he got last year, one of the most underappreciated talents in all of the Moto GP. He's a fantastic rider. He really is. Been saying that since he was Remember, in Moto Three. Dre, what you said about the 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 raw pace, um, the, the raw pace standings. Mm. I would put Brad Bender. Maybe not with the three mentioned, but just below them. 
needs better equipment to, to really his... prove it. But Binder is in, is it like if Binder is dialed in, he is an insanely fast rider. Like Real good, y'all. It was, mm, yeah. he, watching watching him during what, his win last year. Oh my god, that was that was man and machine perfectly merged together. It was box office. The the thing is though, they're going to be leaving big shoes to fill because Polo Spargaro was a weapon for this team last year. And if anything, Polo Spargaro, the best bad bike rider on <laughs> earth. Yeah, he really is. And look, Pole left a lot of points on the table last season. That was the biggest problem yeah. I had with Polo Spargaro. He, he actually had, I think it was five podiums last year, but they were all third places. And there were races he could and maybe argue should have won, like in Bruno. That, that the Binder miracle probably should have been a Polder Spagaro win. He had more raw pace than Binder on the day, but of course got caught up with Zarko's incident. And and yeah, they are still very raw, still kinda new, but they have two insanely talented riders and a bike that can actually win races now. On their day, it's a good. It's a good formula on paper. Mm-hmm. How we feel about tech what three? Tech three? <laughs> Get out of my head, RJ. Um, <laughs> I'm feeling very Orange. mid on one seat and pretty high on the other. Orange is how I feel about that team. It's extremely orange. I think they actually won some celebratory championship. King, you should have taken your walls, painted them <laughs> orange. Worn an orange yeah. shirt. Yeah! Uh, stay, stained your desk orange. Because that's how orange this Tech 3 is. Ooh, I actually, so orange. I actually, orange arrows from the early 2000s oh, F1. I actually want to. Yeah, the thing is, the Tech 3 bike looks far closer to an actual KTM factory bike than the than the actual KTM factory bike. Right! Right! Well, it gives you wings, what can I say? Well, and then... Well, that's kind of the dynamic that Tech 3 has had, is really they're more like a factory B rather than a true satellite team. They all get the same parts, so yeah, there's no... on factory bikes. Yeah. Danilo... Dre, your usual line of if there's if the best thing you can say about a driver is that they're a really nice dude, there's probably a problem. In the dry, in the wet, Petrucci is phenomenal. One of the best in the field, if not the best. Oh yeah, we, we number one in my opinion. We've seen that. We've seen that time and time again. In the dry, best wet rider in the world. Eh. In, he's the best. He's the best wet weather rider in the world. In my opinion, he's been... Every time it's rained in the last five years, Petrux has been a factor um, pretty much every single time. He's got a win in the dry. I've been mean, yeah. years. He do, he do, it, was in a, it was on a Ducati in Austria. <laughs> uh, Magello. It was. And that was oh, that was, phenomenal oh, three-wide final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, oh, it was Magello. I was thinking of that one. Yeah. It's it's strange because it's like Petrick started his time at the Factory Ducati team well, had that win, immediately declared, I'm helping Dovi win the title, and he's never been the same guy since. No, no, because he heard, Marquez heard him say that, and Marquez chose violence for the rest of 2019. I was like, no, you don't, Sunshine. Now, of course, I think some of that is Ducati's development. We've talked about how their relationship with riders weren't great. We all knew, essentially, 
you know, Petro was a dead man walking going into 2020. We all knew Miller was taking his seat. There was already rumblings about that towards the end of 19. There was like, oh, we, we might swap him for, for Valencia. So Petrox was always a dead That's, man walking. So you can't yeah. do that. You can't. Yeah. You can't put your your garage into that level of disarray. No, it's a mess. Yeah, it was I a hot mess. For- I think Petrucci's going to be glad to get out of that environment. Oh, yeah. I don't know what to make of, of Laquona and MotoGP this go-around. I hope I I hope for better. We've seen flashes. We've seen really bad. good flashes. Yeah. We've seen a lot of not-so-great flashes. He's no He's Christophe Poisson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's a reference. Damn, please. Whew. No, like, I... I He's got flashes in him. He's, he, he looks like a guy that doesn't look out of place in this class, and that's always a good start. Um, whether he can build on that, whether he can run along... He's got three very, very good riders around him. That's the problem. You're like Binder, Oliveira, and I think Petrix is the definitely problem with best. KTM, hmm. The problem with KTM is not the riders. No, it's the bike. And getting that They have a right. treasure trove of excellent riders. Word the bike was a lot better last year. Lewis, huh? Lewis talked about it in, in our chat here. Yeah. Qatar, maybe hold off on judging that. If they have yeah. issues in Portimao, mm. they're probably screwed. Yeah. That's well, going to be the litmus test. And remember, Miguel Oliveira just cleaned everybody's clock in that race a year ago. Grand Slam Beat victory last year. <laughs> like the team. It was a Grand Slam victory. Pole win, fastest lap, led every lap over the line and won by four seconds. It was the arguably most the... underappreciated ass-whooping I have ever seen in the year 2020. <laughs> and a year that didn't really have very many of those, amazingly. But yeah, like, two of the, the biggest flashpoints of the year came directly from Miguel Oliveira. That win in Portimao and that overtaking Styria. He's box office. Oh. Keep an eye on that KTM team. It's oh. going to be very, very fun to watch. Um, the KTM team, if Petrix goes back to his Pramac form, you'll be very, very good. They're in good shape. Yeah. And I think, yeah, if, I, think this re- I think this is a little bit of a mental reset for him. Yes. If he can get into that headspace, I think. It's going to be a much better year than it was. And I'm and I'm pulling for him because he is such a nice bloke. He really is one of the most lovely one of the guys. Guys in the paddock. Like every, no one has ever had a bad word to say about Petrix ever, apart from Alicia Spagaro. So we, when we didn't believe him, because <laughs> no one ever takes Alicia Spagaro's side in an argument, even when Jorge Lorenzo's involved. Uh, this like, is jumping the gun a bit, <laughs> oh, but do rough. we take? This is jumping the gun a bit. Do people take uh, Alicia's side more than they do Jorge Lorenzo's side in an argument? Mm. In 2021. Mm. I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> it's time it's time it's the moment you've all been waiting for Honda Repsol Mark. Honda Mark LCR Marquez Honda. Mark Marquez is finally Mark. back well soon no. yeah yeah soon. soon um he will miss the first two rounds in Qatar with another doctor's appointment scheduled just before round three in Portimao convenient for now mm-hmm. former KTM ace Paul Espargaro will lead Repsol Honda to start the year as both he and Marquez, when he returns, aim to pull this team out of the doldrums of their worst season since the Oval Piston Nightmare of 1981. (sighs) Alex Marquez flipped the switch and turned it on in the second half of 2020, 
and now at LCR alongside Takanakagami, the satellite Honda team features two current factory bikes for the first time and have two riders hungry for their first top-class victory. What a shambles last year was for Honda. Alex Marquez dropped from the factory team before he'd even turned the wheel in anger, and then Marquez snaps his arm. Um, yeah, the, the mother load came down on, on Repsol Honda very quickly. Every ounce of hubris they've tried to ignore... All their laziness with just letting Mark do all the work while their bike continually got worse and worse was thrown right back in HRC's face. Me, raping. Yeah, this is awesome. Mark Marquez is winning this on his sheer riding ability and his loan. Wait, what the fuck? (laughs) His arm arm isn't supposed to bend that way. Uh, Yeah, Um, and uh, yeah. yeah. And Honda, Honda, like a Michael Jordan documentary, took that personally. <sighs> yeah, because uh, Honda probably have the most changed bike compared to last year. Pretty much mm. everything, uh, everything rearward of the engine is new. And in testing, it looked pretty good. And to the surprise yeah. of many, Paul Espargaro adapted to that Honda pretty much immediately. Oh, On the yeah. second day, he already looked very much at home with it. Mm, mm. Um... For those guys who don't know, Stefan Bradl will fit in for the first two rounds on that Repsol Honda. Yeah. Uh, no, there'll be no shot call to Andrea Davizioso, even though he put his head no. through the door last month saying, Hey Honda, you need another rider, you know. Um, so- oh, 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 we've already, we've, we're already through with you. <laughs> we uh, tried yeah, you in 2010, Honda- Dovi. Um, but- <laughs> Yeah, but yeah like, Honda mm. also uh, crashed a lot in preseason testing, as this bike is still, despite their attempts to tame it, a little bit violent. And, um, uh, yeah, well, mm. I was going to say, I was like, RJ, um, do your favorite Booker T impression again? <clears throat> Tell me, we did not just say that. <laughs> the amount of times Alex Marquez crashed in preseason testing. Oh, yeah! Oh yeah, where he where he crashed five times, five times, five times, five times, five times, five times, so, including one where he broke his fourth metatarsal in his right foot. See, my I man, was wondering which book or T line you wanted me to say. There's, there's a lot to be fair, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like, he hit us with that Wayne Rooney 2004 metatarsal injury. Um, yeah, he had to he had to sit he had to sit down for a whole day of testing because of that injury. He was declared unfit. Um, uh, so like yeah, it's like oh, I've done this before. It hurts, but I mean, I'll I'll be fine. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's there's a lot to break down. As it's a very, it's very much a, a, an experimental brand new bike. Polar Spagaro looks quick, but trying to, you know, trying trying to find, you know, trying to find the sweet spot is going to be probably the the difficult, the, the difficulty in uh, in Honda going forward. And of course, the million dollar question: just when is Mark Marquez due back? Um, and that if is so, where this entire this entire season depends on that April twelfth doctor's appointment because if he comes back for round three, and Mans was on the road going MotoGP bike, the one that Honda mm. built in twenty fifteen, how convenient that uh oh you can't test race spec bikes, so we just built one that you can ride on the road. Yeah, production bike, the RC two one three S. 
Yeah, he was already hammering the front tire into the ground as Mark Marquez was. If you had any worries that Mark Marquez was going to look rattled, rusty, or a shell of his former self once he got back on a bike, I'm here to tell you right now. (laughs) RJ, I love the progression of it. Day one, he was allowed back on a bike. He was on a mountain bike. Mm -hmm. And then they put him on a mini bike the next day. Yeah. And then... Five days after that, he was on arguably the most, arguably the fastest production bike the world has ever seen. Yeah. And it's not a Suzuki Hayabusa for a change. Indeed. Because oh, he's not wearing it with, a, he's not riding it with his helmet strapped to the back. That's a reference for y'all kids. <laughs> RJ, I swear, if Mark Marquez shows up to the third race with gauged earrings, I am punching you right in the mouth. If he's back for Portimao and at 70%, he's immediate title favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Who else can we say in motorsport? Oh, yeah, he's 70%. He's going to win the title. None. He's the biggest freaking. <laughs> he's, he's the biggest freak athlete I've ever oh seen in God. motorsport. That He's right. the only guy I talk about in this sort of context. Like, he could come back and probably not be 100% and still be competitive. Probably. I Mark Marquez was just in the premier class telling people that don't give a shit about motorcycle racing, just like, yo, look at this dude. Look at the way he rides with his elbows dragging on the pavement. Yeah, yeah. Day one on the RC213 VS, he was dragging his right elbow. Yeah. Elbow down with the bad arm. The man is, is fearless, but I think that's also why he sat down with the doctors a couple of days ago. And said, look, doctor's they decision. Check each, they checked up on the bone. Mm-hmm. And w- where Mark wants to be is, we know how Marquez finds the limit. Mm-hmm. He goes into practice and, and goes over a it. Bikes <laughs> to find where the limit is. He can't do that while his arm is still healing. So mm. he wants to be at a stage where if he falls again, the arm isn't going to be a worry that is going to refracture. And yeah. that's the right play. He's thinking long right term. Play. He's thinking, I could either come back too early, maybe win, or end my own career, or wait a little longer, come back, probably still win, and not end his own career, and probably rack up a few more championships. Yeah, but he's got a really good chance. If he's clear for Portimao, he's got a good chance. Even with the two races he misses, he could still win the championship. I mean, I know that's the coldest take in the book, but it's true. <laughs> well, and even that, what, what we talked about all through the season preview is how each, there's different people who have chances this year because no one is this overwhelming title favorite. Except him. Except him. He can come back and unless one rider wins the two opening races and is just reeling off race wins left and right, which is the opposite of what happened for our champion last year, where Mir came close to winning the title without winning a race. Yeah. Marquez he, could realistically win 10 races this year. It wouldn't be outside the realms of possibility. And look, like that, if he comes back at Portsmouth, at worst, he's down 50. And he probably won't be, given how last season played out. They, we had no... We had no hot streak. We had no guy really go on a run. I don't think two races I would constitute as a, was as a streak. The podium streak. Yeah. It was the podium and streak for Mir. 
And and if if the rest of the field beat each other up, it only makes the door that much wider for Marquez and runs them over whenever he's allowed to come back. Um, yeah, you know. So we'll have to wait and see how this plays out. Um, I my gut tells me he'll be back for Portimount, and if he is, everybody's on immediately on notice. Um, and oh, uh, a- another fun note from his recovery. Walking into the hotel where everyone was uh, was training and everyone's <laughs> jaws hitting the floor as one. Well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Talk about Rep Swole Honda. <laughs> yeah, he was. Rep uh, Swole Honda. <laughs> I didn't get the story about this. Apparently, he he he'd flown out to Doha only to get the vaccine because um, MotoGP decided to take mm-hmm. Qatar's offer of offering the vaccine to the paddock. Um, which they did. So Marquez flew out to Doha to get his first jab of the vaccine, then fly back. And apparently he was in the gym where everyone else was training, and everyone was just like, sup? And there's Marquez in the gym training his arm, looking like he's a fucking gymnast. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, no, so. No, I imagine, I imagine him walking through the door, and it's like when, uh, it's like when the Minister of Magic saw Voldemort. He's like, he's back. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh,. We do not condone anything else that uh, J.K. Rowling had a hand in. Mm. Fifteen minutes left. Um, yeah, yeah. To, to, to talk about like Paul Sparrow doesn't look like buyer's remorse from Honda, no. which is good. Outs no, Marquez think, uh, and Takanakagami. Oh, I want Outs and Taka to do well at LCR. Oh, I want them to do everyone so close last year. Everyone's on a factory bike this year. Honda's realized that uh, the best play is to get everyone on the same footing. And Taka got a pole, looked in contention for some wins last year. Moment was a little too big for him, and one of them where he just binned the bike immediately. Alex Neal very mm. nearly won his first race. Twice. Another year of experience. Um, both Honda teams more or less being, as we mentioned with KTM, like a factory and factory B. And mm-hmm. I think Pole's going to win some races this year. I saw him on that. Maybe Honda. one he looked. He not not as at home on it as Marquez does because well, or Mark Marquez because whoever does, but he looked for how evil that Honda has been the last few years. Paul looked to get on with it pretty yeah. well. Yeah, because if there was one good surrogate for how evil that Honda is, would it not be a steel trellis frame KTM? I, they, I mean, the point I was going to make is that like you know, Paul is. Paul's ridden some bad bikes. He's ridden some evil bikes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think the KTM where they were ripping engine bolts out to try and help the frame flex properly. Yeah, so, there's uh, a lot. I think Paul's going to do well. I think Alex and uh, Alex is a slow learner, as we've seen. A year under his belt is going to be a world of good. And Taka, please, please get that first win. I want to believe. If anybody can do it, it's him. Aragon, he openly admitted, like, I've never seen a rider admit the whole situation was too much for him. That's an, an incredible amount of humility out, out, out of uh, Takanakagami, bless his heart. Um, was in title contention pretty much three quarters of the way through the year of pure consistency he until was, that crash. He was the only Honda worth a damn until yeah. they really started revising the bike and Alex came to the fore. Yeah, in, until that crash in Aragon, only rider in the field that was in the top ten every race, um, statistically. Um, yeah, he's fast. Like again, he's fast. 
did good stuff with Marquez's data last year. Alex Marquez, again, at his limit, we saw a couple of times last year, outstanding talent. My word, for a rookie to do that on a couple of occasions, I think, again, Lamont in the rain and then... Um, Aragon in the dry, running pretty much toe-to-toe with Alex Rins, who's as good as anyone in the sport um, on his day. A, a, a bona fide multiple race winner. Um, very, Alex very impressive show. disease. Yeah, the Alex and Alex show. That was a very impressive showing indeed. So again, more of that, Alex, please, for the life of me. Um, let's get a prettier out of the way. Um, <laughs> uh, I'd like to nickname... I'd like to nickname them the preseason champions, um, Aprilia. Every year. Um, the, the, the tragedy of Aprilia's struggle to break out of MotoGP obscurity is that Fausto Grissini isn't here anymore. Vero and Alicia Spagaro will look to lead their forward progress, and Lorenzo Salvadori is the unconventional choice for a golden chance in MotoGP, earned of a strong record in superbikes and a good amount of spot starts in 2020. It wouldn't be a pretty without controversy. They could not find a rider for that second seat for a good while. They tried Marco Bezzecchi. He turned them down. They tried Lorenzo. He turned them down. Iannone. No, he really is going to be banned for four years. Um, <laughs> he ain't Roberts, coming back. Uh, I, Roberts, I want to stay where I have a chance to win. Yeah, and then they dropped Bradley Smith for three rounds out towards the end of last year and put Lorenzo Savadori in for seemingly no reason. Um, and now he's there with them in that second seat permanently and Bradley's left the team altogether. Way to go, Aprilia. Maybe this will be the uh, year. <laughs> as good as they looked in testing, and they did look much better in testing last much year better. than they have in recent They looked years. so good, Andrea Davizioso was just like, hey, can I get a redo? <laughs> <laughs> which... Uh, which yeah, he is going to test for them. I believe that was confirmed. Next month, yeah. Um, It just... It's... As a manufacturer in MotoGP, they're just always the one treading the most water. Yeah. It always feels oh. like they're really not supposed to be here. Despite only the team on concessions. Their riders. Mm. Yeah, they're the only team with concessions. They're the only ones who uh, get to break the regulations to try and make their bike better. Mm. And uh, that's despite the best efforts of the team, because we know Grissini and um, obviously most empower uh, to Fausto Grissini. We know they're a quality team. We know Aleish is a phenomenal rider. The other half of the best bad bike riders <laughs> in the world duo with his brother. You, you know, it's you know, it's sad when the most marquee moment of Alicia Spagaro's preseason was a Twitter fight before Gay Lorenzo. But Jorge Lorenzo is always well, getting fun Twitter time. beef now. <laughs> That's his thing. He's become the Shannon Sharp of bike pundits. Um, uh, no, he it really isn't. Right, though? No, he's, 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 the thing is, he's wrong up until the point he says, but I'm a five-time world champion. Hey, that makes a whole lot of problems go away, go away mm. along with um, Lorenzo's love of cheese. <laughs> Look, I, I don't expect oh, Aprilia this year. Maybe a, a slight improvement over last year, but that's only because last year was about as bad as you could possibly go as a factory MotoGP team. Mm-hmm. He'll obviously be a huge sentimental favorite um, given circumstances, and Alicia's is a solid rider. He's been a solid always rider has been. for a, over a decade in the sport. Christmas. He was yeah, the he's... he was the king of the CRT class. He was the, the king of the CRT class. Yeah. 
the he's the second most experienced rider in the field now. He's one of Damn. only two. He's one of only two dudes left who rode an eight hundred. <laughs> Valentino's the other. Say he and Valentino. <laughs> wow. Um, and he seems to be the only person who can consistently make that Perlia do anything because the other guy who could got himself banned. I would love to see Lorenzo Sabadori do well. I know Grassini was big on him, and that was part of the big reason that they looked to him when nobody else wanted that seat. It's a it's an out-of-left-field choice, and I'm a sucker for those. I love when Toro Rosso brought, got Brendan Hartley. I know it didn't work out, but I love that they even thought of it. Mm. Pain... Uh, if, um, uh, it's also pretty telling, isn't it, that they had to more or less beg and cry for anyone to get on the second seat at that team. Joe Roberts knocked them back. Yikes. A Moto2 rider who had like one good weekend being the opening weekend of last year and was otherwise kind of anonymous. Yeah. He was like, why why would I stay here? Why would I why would I go to you guys? Yeah. Here's hoping, you know. I I would love to see them do well for Fausto's sake. He deserves a good Grassini team, a team that not really is challenged Gris- at the front. Grassini since... deserves, yeah. Grassini as a team deserves some respite from the pretty mm. awful streak they've been on, because we know from the past mm. that this is a an incredibly high quality team. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, um, here's hoping. Because they, they've not been really up the front since the days they had Alvaro Bautista ride for them back in 2013. Really was the last time we really saw Grassini up the front. Um, and that was in a time where independence just didn't do that on a regular basis at all. So I say, that, be- was, uh, that was on the production Honda, was it not? Scott Redding was on the production Honda. Yeah, his teammate oh. that year. Yeah, the, 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 he, he deserved better as well. That was the year he was yanked. Like the year before he was robbed of the Moto2 title because of the, a diamond cut Philip Island layout that nobody was prepared for. Broke his wrist that weekend. Never recovered. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, it was... A, it was, it was I, I've always had a level of empathy for old Scotty for that very reason. Um, but yeah, it, it would be great to see a, a competitive Grassini again with the sentimental reasons behind it as well. But, uh, gentlemen... Well, uh, please, and a final note on Aprilia, yep. please keep the tribute to Fausto on the winglet on the front of the bike. That's a wonderful touch. Yeah, yeah please do. That would be lovely. Gentlemen, who are you picking for the title? Mark Marquez. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Marquez. Even Mark... <laughs> this is like the prop bet of Marquez minus two, and he's still getting picked. <laughs> like it's like those football, like those football bets you do where the handicaps in play, and it's like, hmm, Man City minus two against Brighton, still taking City. Uh, <laughs> RJ, uh, it's hard for me to pick against Mark Marquez. It really is. If he if he's just missing two races. Marquez is my guy. What? Same for you, King? Yeah, yeah, I said Marquez. <laughs> yeah, well, that wasn't heard you there. I hate, I want to be that guy so bad and be a contrarian, <laughs> but 
The logic in my head can't go against it. I would still probably take Marquez minus three to win the title, even if he the debuted pants? at Haref. Like, that's just... Uh, I it's, say, it, what, Haref is uh, round four or five? Four. Missing three races, and he's still your title favorite. He's that good. He's that good. He's that good. He's a cheat. He is motorsports equivalent of the game genie. He's just that good. Like he's just that cracked. It's ridiculous. He is not a cheat code. He is the entire game genie. Pretty much. Um, that'll just about do it here, folks. Um. We're really excited for this season. Like, if if Marquez didn't exist, we, we'd have made this sound even more dramatic because we would have no idea. Uh, in fact, before we go, who's runner-up then? Oh. There you oh. go. <laughs> now everybody's scrambling. <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to go with... Go ahead, King. Yeah, runner-up gut feeling. I have to go with Quattararo. Fabio Quattararo, runner-up. I am going to go with a spicy Jack Miller. I think it's going to be Yoan Mir. Four different names. I'm going to say Alex Rins. <laughs> Ooh. Four different names for second. You'll keep an eye on that second bet um, <laughs> over, over the course of this. I think that might be a bit more interesting than the first one because... Uh, uh, like uh, again, I feel so bad for me. We joked about BT Sports commercial for the new season. He's not in it. I've mentioned it on our Substack page that Mir's... You leave out your world champion. Yeah, the man's got twenty five thousand Twitter followers. I, I know F one fangirl accounts that have got more followers than Mir does. <laughs> you know how bad that is. Oh, like Jesus. Oh like, my god. I want him to be a megastar because Mir is a. Very mature, well disciplined, good him boy. The truth. He's, he's a he's good boy. Good. Get behind me, people. Get behind him. Just don't pick him for second place in the championship unless your name's RJ. Um, it's it's not a good world when John McPhee's got almost as many Twitter followers as he does. But you know, it's oh, it's God. yeah. I found that out the hard way. It was something oh. that Lewis told me down the phone about three weeks ago. I was like, he's joking, right? And I checked it up, and I was like, oh. Fuck fuck's sake <laughs> I was just like, it, it was it was not a nice sight but here we are but uh yeah we can't wait it, it, it's the real main event this sunday do not let the, the f1 race in bahrain fool you here um as as the 90 minutes runs out that's we got that perfectly that's just about on the money it's perfect um this weekend march 28th but um qatar first of two races down there uh, can't wait. We'll be we'll be all there to talk about it in a separate podcast, probably episode two ninety five next week. But uh, we'll wrap it up. YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport101. Don't forget, comment on Formula 1's 2020 season preview part one. If you want a chance of an Elite Pro account on F on Fantasy GP, check that out if you haven't already. Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport101. Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. At Harrison101HD. At RJ O'Connell. At Ryan Eric King. And at CBuckley917 for our personal handles. Um, we're on our website, Motorsport101.com. We are on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport101. Five dollars gets you early access to all of the audio editions of our show. Ten bucks for the supporters club um, on our Discord server and all the videos as well. You can check us out on Instagram as well. Motorsport101 pod for updates, extra tidbits, all of that fun stuff as well. Thank you all very, very much for watching Mainstream Motorsport back this weekend. Let the games begin. <laughs> Until then, sayonara. 
Later, y'all. Bye. How do I watch both races at once if I've only got one screen?